Good evening, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Animal Talk USA. If you have listened to us before here on All About Animals Radio, you know that we talk about everything animals from adoption to volunteering at a local shelter to animals that have health concerns or fostering, donating, you name it. We try to cover all of it. The idea of this show, when I spoke to Gary originally, who is our producer extraordinaire and the gentleman behind All About Animals Radio, I said to him, it's really important for us to share what goes on in animal shelters and rescues to bring awareness and hopefully help more animals find loving homes. So that's our goal here. And I also want folks that are listening If you know of an animal in need, please reach out to us. You can reach out to Animal Talk on Instagram, Facebook, and now Twitter. You can also reach out to All About Animals Radio, and Gary will get the message to me. We are here to help any shelter animal or any animal in need for that matter. And if you have a shelter or a rescue and you'd like to be on the show, we would love to have you join us. Today, we have a really inspiring guest I have been watching this man's work for quite some time now on Instagram, which he uses as his platform to showcase animals in the North Central Animal Shelter in Los Angeles. And I can't begin to tell you how inspired I am personally, and I have been in this industry for, I don't know, close to 15 years at this point. And when you see somebody that has the heart and the mind and the compassion and the energy it takes to go in and help these animals. I wanted him to come on and just talk about his passion and what drives him daily and the work that he does. And maybe you too will be inspired by Tom Keish. And Tom, I just wanna welcome you right in and thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy. And I just want you to sort of give folks a little introductory of who you are and what you do and then we can take it from there. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you, Gary. So um, my name is Tom Keish. I, uh, I'm a volunteer at North Central Animal Shelter. It's on Lacey Street in Los Angeles. And um, I got involved with volunteering years ago. Um, I had great role models as a kid. And my uncle, my father, uh, lots of people in my life show me the power of volunteering and how important it is. Um, but I got involved because I had a lot of downtime and actor. And instead of sitting by a pool or going to a beach often, I found there was a way to enrich my life by giving back. And um, I've volunteered at the LA Zoo in the past, the Hollywood YMCA in the past. Um, a lot of theater companies in the past and i always find not only helps me personally but it um helps with other issues that i battle with like um borderline depression which is easy to get depressed in the acting and writing industry because there's a lot of times where you're not doing anything so that's how i got involved with volunteering in general and with animals uh, i was doing a lot of volunteering work that wasn't so fun Uh, I was doing stuff that other people didn't want to do. And I realized at some point, why don't I get involved with volunteering that is actually fun, like petting cats and petting dogs. 
And so that's when I made the switch from doing volunteering, fundraising, and uh, setting up programs and things like that at certain organizations or building things that, you know, were benefiting others to just working with dogs and cats and bunnies. Uh, so <laughs> and my you, got, you, throw the, you threw the bunnies right in there, the, right? <laughs> bunnies. Yeah, exactly. Because they're cute and they're adorable. And some people, that's all they volunteer with. And that's perfectly great. But uh, I was on a date with somebody and the date wasn't going particularly well. And um, uh, she mentioned something about volunteering with dogs. And I thought, wow, I, I, I didn't even realize that was a thing. I was living in an apartment that didn't allow animals. It initially was just me going to get my animal fix. Uh, it was with the Amanda Foundation there in Beverly Hills, and they allow volunteers to come in pretty quickly. I met with the owner. She tested me, watched my handling with dogs, and she agreed that I was perfect fit for them. She also liked the fact that I was uh, a large male, and a lot of dogs have issues with males or large people because of um, a history of abuse, possibly. So it was a way for her animals to get more exposure to a male presence and a large presence. So that's where I started, and it all came off of a, a date that was a nice person, but we just weren't connecting on that level. And the ironic thing is, even though she said she was volunteering there or had volunteered there, the owner of that rescue had no idea who she was. But it didn't matter. Because <laughs> well, the good thing is uh, it started off this burning sensation inside 100%. of you to get involved with with animals in your community and the fact that if you're a dog lover and you jumped right in and you know had some what innate skills you know just sort of something that was inside of you that you probably didn't even really realize and and a lot of people are like that they you know they always ask if of course people are going to wonder if you are an actual dog trainer and um, you can explain a little bit about how you handle the dogs because people always feel like they have to have a lot of experience. I mean, yes, absolutely. With dogs, you know, some dogs in shelters require a lot more, but just the basic dog that's waiting and looking for a home. I mean, sure, you can go in and just walk dogs. Your work is much more detailed than that. So sort of explain how you felt yeah. like you could do this work because it's not easy. No, it's it's not easy. So where I'm at now is 20 years of animal handling. Um, so at the rescue that I started at, uh, they don't just throw you into kennels with leashes. They basically allow you a certain dog to take out and they protect their animals just as much as they protect their volunteers. So they watched me take out the easiest dogs and saw that I had um, intelligence, dog IQ, I call it. Um, I had empathy for their animals and I did well with their animals. And as I volunteered there, I was probably there for quite some time uh, when I would have an audition on the West side of Los Angeles, instead of just going all the way across town for a five minute audition, which I may or may not get or book or may or may not make me feel well, I would stop in to volunteer with dogs to make driving over that far worth it. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. So, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would find a creative way to make auditioning valuable to the society, to society, not just for my career. Um, so I started there. I would go in maybe once every two weeks, one time, you know, a couple times a month or whatever it worked out. And um, the dogs were going out every day, so they weren't really compressed. 
they were relatively easy. We would go on neighborhood walks. And as I was there longer and longer, they gave me more and more responsibility. And I started getting permission to take out staff only dogs at one point. Um, then it got to a point where that shelter or rescue started getting very popular with the community and dogs were going out two to four times a day, which is great. But um, I sort of felt like there was probably a better need for me somewhere else at that point. And I was at a gym with a friend of mine and I didn't know he volunteered with dogs and we just started talking and he mentioned that he volunteered at North Central and the dogs at North Central at that time were not going out but once every four to six weeks. Oh, goodness. Four Can you imagine the mental, oh, the mental yeah. on those poor, oh, oh, gosh. 100%. Okay. So yep. he, he told me about it and I thought, okay, well, part of my happiness in life is feeling like I have a purpose. And to go from a place that dogs are going out four times a day, which I sort of felt like, well, am I, am I really being purposeful there if they're going out four times a day? Or could I make a bigger difference where they're not going out for four to six weeks? So I went over to LAAS, Los Angeles Animal Services. I jumped through all the hoops I had to jump through to, to start volunteering, which is not easy. Um, it's nothing like volunteering at a rescue. It's a city and the city um, just to apply uh, takes three to five weeks of getting approval because they have to yes, go through it's all important. the bureaucracy. It is important for people to understand that sometimes you municipal shelters are much more difficult to work with. Exactly. And then their training procedures were, um, even though it's changed a lot, um, in the five years I've been there and, uh, I can honestly say I had something to do with that at North central. And I think we've improved it. Uh, there's always been training in place for, um, legal reasons. They, they have to make sure their volunteers are educated and keep themselves safe and for protection of the animals and protection of the public. But what I realized at the city shelter is, um, whereas the rescue, I was able to walk the dogs and it was a service at the city. The ability to do far more things is, is available to me. So at the city, um, you are able to do everything from, if you don't even want to touch animals, laundry or organizing or donation collections, or pet pantry, which is food going out to people who need food for their animals. You can also work with bunnies, um, turtles, reptiles when they're there, livestock when they're there. We've had pigs, chickens, sheep, horses, um, or dogs. And then you can also be involved with the public, with educating the public for adoptions or counseling. Some of us do uh, counseling for people after they adopt their dogs or cats or bunnies to try to keep dogs, cats, bunnies, whatever in homes. And then there's also the ability there because a rescue handpicks a lot of their animals, whereas the city just gets whatever animals either stray or surrendered or hit by a car or everything. They literally get everything. And right. so your that, ability right. to work. You're... Go ahead. Mm -hmm. That's a key point. And I think, I think, I want to just uh, sort of reiterate what you just said, because I think some people don't understand that most nonprofit 501c3 rescues and or shelters, if they have a brick and mortar or they could be foster based for that matter, they 
actually pull their animals, most of them from other places in the country. Generally for us here in the Northeast, we pull from the South. And um, I don't know in California where you are, what those um, 501c3s do there, nonprofit organizations, rescues. I don't know where they're pulling from. They could be pulling from Texas or, you know, there's just so many opportunities throughout the United States to do that type of work where what you just said is so key. If you are in a municipal shelter, a city run shelter that is funded by the city and tax dollars at work, you get whatever is brought to you, thrown at you, found and so you never really sort of have any inclination at all what you're getting. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and um, just to, to touch on what you were talking about, like in Southern California, the the shelters are so filled right now, and the rescues are so filled. I mean, some shelters are have two dogs in each kennel um, because there's so many animals. Rescues are pulling from Southern California, but you also have rescues in Southern California, pulling from other countries that, um, treat animals ways that we don't see as humane. We have, uh, rescues pulling from, um, Canada and Korea and all over the world, Mm -hmm. which honestly, if that's what they want to do, I think that's awesome. We should all do what we, what drives our passion. But in Southern California, we have so many animals in need that we have rescues in Canada and other states pulling from us. So Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a lot of animals. And unfortunately, um, as I saw on a post today from someone else, there's no way we can rescue ourselves out of the situation we're in right now because it's we're getting more dogs in every day than we're getting out. and so that's that seems why to I do be these radio consensus, right? That seems yeah. to be the consensus across the board right now. I've been hearing it from, you know, all over the United States. I have contacts just about everywhere and people have been reaching out. And now with this radio show, we really are hoping to bring some light to the subject because I don't think people realize that we're sort of, I know so many things are in dire straits right now. I understand that people are struggling in more ways than one. And the whole COVID thing, it seemed like when it started, everybody thought, let's get an animal. And I Mm -hmm. think that whole influx of people you know, possibly returning or it didn't work out. That's just exacerbating the whole process a little bit more at this point in time. So, uh, you know, anybody that is listening, um, we hear you, we feel you, we are here to try to help. And again, a big part of this, we're talking with Tom Keish. He is a volunteer, mentor, inspiring human that volunteers at North Central Animal Shelter in LA, which I can only imagine what that is like for him on a daily basis. Uh, You can watch his work, follow Tom Keish, and that's with a K. We will spell his name out for you. Um, He's on Instagram. If you just watch his work, you will see how inspiring he is. And it is Tom T-O-M-K-I-E-S-C-H-E, not spelled like the egg quiche. <laughs> um, but he uh, he's on Instagram and he has thousands upon tens of thousands of followers watching the work that he's doing on a daily basis, just all on a volunteer basis. And I'm not saying, look, not everybody can do what Tom does, nor do they have the time, the wherewithal, the training. You know, there's a lot that has gone into to the point of where he's built himself to. So 
please don't think that I'm expecting everyone listening to become the next Tom Keish because I know that's not possible, but you can start somewhere just like he did, just like I did, just like many other people who are helping animals across the United States and beyond are doing. So don't feel like, oh, I've never done this, but I really want to just try to get your foot in the door somewhere and get started. And that's what Tom did. And that's what has brought him to this point now. So Tom, what is it like on a daily basis for you when you go into the shelter? How many animals are there? How many animals do you get to see? Uh, before I answer that, I just want to go back on one thing and say that sure, I'm just, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just one of many people. Uh, I, I tend to have a public personality. Um, I guess that's my acting and writing and singing and producing that helps create that. But yes, I'm just one of many at North Central and there's, I'm one of many in LAAS. There's six shelters in Los Angeles, city shelters, and that's just one group of shelters there's county shelters and then there's amazing volunteers at rescues and all throughout the country um so uh, you know I, I i appreciate the kudos to me personally but honestly i'm just one of a team and and one team of a bigger league and so wherever and you are whether you're in massachusetts or rhode island or connecticut or california or arizona there's a place that needs volunteers and whether or not you go in for six hours a month or six hours a day your volunteering or my volunteering or anyone's volunteering is appreciated by the animals and unfortunately sometimes at some shelters there's politics and the staff uh, can be challenging at some points or the bureaucracy can be challenging at some points but as long as you keep in mind how important it is for you to be there for the animals and or the other volunteers, that's what keeps us all going. That team mentality that we're all in the same league mentality. And, um, you know, it's for the benefit of the animals and the, the society that the animals live in. You know, that's just another key point. First of all, teamwork, you know, I always use the old adage, teamwork makes the dream work. And it's yeah. true because you, it's not something that you can do single-handedly. And while, yes, you do have the public persona, like myself, I never intended to be on radio or television or in print doing this, but whatever it takes, if that's what it takes for me to put myself out there to help these animals, then that's what I'm going to do. And it sounds very much like what you're trying to do there. And I don't think people realize how many people it really does take, especially in a larger um, county like, you know, and in, in a city like Los Angeles, because yeah, I'm sure with where there's more people, there's more animals and it's just oh, yeah. sort of the way it goes. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you just giving a shout out to all of the folks that are helping there and across the United States and beyond, because this this show is uh, is global. I'd like to yep. tell Gary He's made us go global here. <laughs> no, it's um, awesome. And I, you know, going back to um, what we were chatting about a little while ago, as far as North Central Animal Shelter, I know that for you, you are um, lucky enough or <laughs> have the time. I don't know if it's yes. lucky enough because I know you'd like to get um, some more work. I know that the acting industry is, is a difficult one. I actually have a daughter who was um, involved with that and now has found herself in the news industry, but it's just, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough racket. And um, animals can help you through that though. I love what you said at the top they of the do. show that animals, um, you know, they, 
they are really help with folks that, you know, are sort of down in the dumps. They can bring you right back up and put a smile on your face. And I, I love that that's one of the reasons that you do this work because they do make you smile and um, you're helping them. They're helping you. It's a, right. it's a win-win. So as an actor, I pretend, and as a writer, I pretend, but when you're working with dogs, it is real all the yes. time, all the time. Like when you're in a kennel with a dog, it's real, no matter how it goes. And dogs are moment to moment and they are honest and they don't know how to pretend. And so it just working with dogs and at a shelter has taught me more about life and humanity than anything else, everything else combined, um, to see a dog, um, and I'll go into this later, but to see a dog who's shut down or defensive or quote unquote aggressive, learn how to trust and learn how to love and, and learn how to bond. It, it is more rewarding than any acting job I've ever gotten. I have cried more happy tears and tragic tears and had more deeper feelings, volunteering, seeing dogs go to new homes or, uh, the worst case scenarios that you can imagine. Um, it is so real. It's so awesome and such an honor to be part of. Um, You're going to make me cry. So now I have to, I have to gather my emotions because I'm, I'm kind of a big sap. <laughs> um, yeah. When you deal with animals, you tend to get uh, very emotional because it just, what you just said has brought forth <clears throat> a lot of emotions. And it's so true to see them go from being defeated in the back yeah. of a kennel, scared and shaking with their face turned away to that moment when the light clicks and they say, Hey, I can trust you. And you are showing me the love that I so needed and deserved. There is nothing in this nothing. world that feels so it's really, it's truly amazing. Nothing, and nothing. Oh, okay. Or we made, or we when, made you it work, that. When, <laughs> when you work with a dog that, and I'll talk about a dog like that, but when you work with a dog and you, you're showing a dog to a, or a cat or a bunny or whatever, to a family, and, uh, you maybe show three dogs to that family. And then the moment happens that the dog and the family click and you literally, oh, I, I literally, yes. I literally, I, that's feel, when I do the woohoo <laughs> yeah, in, my, in my gut, something clicks and my eyes fill up with fluid. And yes, if you are the if you are there shadowing me or mentoring with me or part of that family, everyone at the same time just starts leaking out of their eyes. It it's such a visceral feeling that it's one of the most amazing feelings that I've ever felt. And I get it on a weekly basis. It's not every yes. adoption, but it's nope. some adoptions just click. Yep. And I just I usually say at that time, right at that moment to the people, I have bad news. And they say what? And I said. That's your dog. <laughs> whether, or not, whether or not you take the dog or not is not my decision. Right. But that's your dog because we all yep. felt it. Yeah. Know. The connections, they just, you, you can see it. And the fact that you said again, that you, you have this gut feeling. So many people in this industry say that all the time. They say, I just, I just, my gut tells me because, and when I do a dog introduction to a family or a meet and greet with another dog anything like that, the same as you do. I, you feel it, you see it, you watch the dogs. They can't talk to us, but boy, do they talk. If you boy, just they, watch the them. Dogs constantly talk. They communicate yes. 100% to those who listen, to, to those, those who, who listen. listen. You have to be listening. <laughs> yep. And they are always listening to us every single second. 
uh, everything. They know more yep. than than we do. Uh, they can 100%. sense it. They smell it. They 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 just have this extra feeling inside of them that we don't for whatever reason it is. And they just know, they know if they and can trust you, they know if you're going to hurt them. They know if a person know. is, and that's part bad. of that. That's part of my acting training. Like it's like that has taught me more about being an actor than probably all my acting training put together. Like they know, they know bullshit. Like, sorry if I swore, but <laughs> they know it. They, there's no, you cannot bullone, you know, baloney yes you like, can't be like, you yeah, can't bs a dog, dog right exactly that's they right know. they know who's if, a good person they know who trusts them if you're just tuning in uh we are talking to tom quiche he's a volunteer extraordinaire that's what i'm gonna label him as um at the north central animal shelter in los angeles one of probably the most busiest shelters across the United States. And he, his work is incredible. Um, we're going to make sure that you have all of his information after the show on All About Animals Radio, on Animal Talk. We're going to post some of his work and what he does there as a volunteer. It's just incredible. And I just wanted you to understand that we brought him on, hopefully to inspire you to get involved some way at a shelter or a rescue, um, a sanctuary, anything um, to help these precious animals along in their journey in life. And Tom, again, I just want you to know, I, I know how busy you are and I really appreciate you taking the time. So I'd like to get into a little bit about the, you know, what you see on a daily basis at the shelter yes, and some of the work you do. So I'll, I'll, I'll run you through like an ideal, although it's never ideal, but like a, um, what a day might look like for me being a volunteer. Okay. So usually, usually the night before I know if I have appointments as an actor or auditions and, or if I have the time to volunteer the next day, I, I tend to look at a, a list that we have at North central for our walking log. And it tells us the last time the dog went on a walk. Um, and it tells me if the dog has been assessed by an advanced volunteer like myself. Uh, so other volunteers know whether or not they can take that dog out or not, or it should be left to more advanced volunteers. Mm -hmm. So I usually make a plan the night before, like, okay, I'll, I might walk these dogs. I might have to get permission for these dogs. I might want to assess these dogs. The next morning I, I go in, I tend to go in early because I like it when it's cooler and when it's quieter although it's never quite quiet at a dog shelter. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's about right now, there's just south of 200 dogs. Um, um, some of them, I, we cannot walk because they're involved with cases, uh, litigations. Uh, some of them are still personal property because someone went into the hospital or someone was arrested and the city will take care of their animal for 30 days for people to uh, get their affairs in order. Uh, some of those are stray dogs, which are held for, I believe, four or five days before adoption or before they become city property. Some of them are microchipped, so they're strays, but they're called possible owners, POS owner. And those are held for 10 days past the day that the letter goes out to the address on file. Uh, we have your dog. Come get your dog. And so when they're not yet surrendered to the city or not yet city property, we're not allowed to walk them. So a percentage of the 200 dogs, we're not allowed to walk until they become property of the city. If that all makes sense. I just sense. want to um, interject here for one moment, yeah. because I think that number 200 and you're just one shelter. 
in one that of city. six shelters in sit in the city, and that doesn't include the county shelters. Two hundred dogs, just dogs, yeah. people. Yep. Please, this this is why we need everybody to do their part, whatever it is. I don't care if you collect newspaper and drop it off. Do something. This is one shelter, one shelter, one shelter in Los Angeles with 200 dogs in cages. Yeah. Okay, okay Tom. Techni technically, I have to say they're in kennels, not cages, but yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Kennel, kennels, cages, however you yeah, want to. Uh, it, I know. There's in. certain things I cannot <laughs> say. So kennels yep, is okay. what they are in. Kennels, um, yes. Exactly. So um, they're in concrete and steel. Anyway, so Correct. I... I will go there. I sign in. I um, make sure the yards are clear, make sure everything's safe. I then take out the dogs I feel appropriate. Not every dog is appropriate for every volunteer and not every volunteer is appropriate for every dog. And what you learn the longer you're in this is you're not appropriate for every dog every day. And you have to be honest with yourself where you are that day and what you're bringing into the kennel. So if, um, if I got something going on emotionally with me, maybe I just had a, um, a, a traffic issue where my um, emotions kind of flared up or whatever, I need to make sure that I'm clear before I go into a, a kennel with a dog who might feed off of those emotions. Totally, all level, totally. Yes, all yes, high yes. level dog IQ stuff, but that's part of what the training is. And so at North, um, we have a mentoring program and I'm, I'm told that the, the training program is shifting in the, um, entire LAS system, but at North, we had set up a system that I mirrored that we mirrored from, um, a visit I took out in Palm Springs that used a mentoring system and it allowed volunteers to, who started working with dogs to basically mentor with advanced volunteers before they even touch a dog and to get their dog IQ higher. And then once they passed a very basic practical where we felt that they were safe with a dog and the dog was safe with them, then they were allowed to walk the easiest dogs. We would call that level one and they would stay at level one for a while. And then they would start doing level one plus dogs, which is, this is all unofficial, but everyone knows about this at this point. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and a level one plus dog maybe pulled a little bit, maybe jumped a little bit, but it was still a dog that you would give to your your mother or your grandmother, or your grandfather, or your aunt or uncle, or your 16 right. year old. So in, in quotes, the, the, the typical friendly dog. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, you would be at that level for some time and then you would mentor again, uh, an advanced volunteer, and then you would have a practical for level two, basically. And level two is they're just pulling a little bit more. They're just jumping a little bit more and you would stay at level two for six months. Um, a lot of people just want to stay at level two and that's fine. And that's great. Cause we have plenty of uh, dogs that are at that level. And some people at some point want to go to level two plus and level two plus is just a little bit more of level. You know, it's just a little bit more jumping, a little bit more pulling. Sure, sure. Maybe, yep. maybe they're starting to get a little mouthy because someone trained them to be mouthy when they were a puppy. And then they yep. turned out to be a 70 pound dog. That's mouthy. And then the person says this dog, uh, bites and it's the dog's not yes. biting he's just being mouthy because that person taught them to be mouthy right so um after six months you can then uh ask again at north central and this may change because of the 
the global quote unquote changes that are coming, but uh, you would then shadow again, advanced volunteers, and then start taking out more challenging dogs, which were level three. And you could then test out to be level three. And at that point, level three is everything from some of the easiest dogs at the shelter who just have histories that they don't have any fault in. So maybe they're a rescue only dog because someone abused them or maybe they're shut down and nervous and we just need advanced volunteers to work with those dogs so they don't go backwards or possibly they are aggressive or defensive in their kennels and society has given up on them and they're not as severe that we're not able to touch them as all, but um, we need the most advanced volunteers to work with them. So level three has all sorts of subdivisions inside of it. Um, there are people who are level three who just do play groups. There are people who are level three who just do shy dogs. There are people that do everything. There are people that just do adoptions. Um, and not everyone gets to that level. And, you know, not everybody wants to get to that level. But that's how we work there. And so I go in and I may show dogs to the public. I may walk dogs. I may work with shut down dogs. I may work with dogs society has given up on. I may work with dogs that the staff have issues with. Um, it, it's Since I'm a volunteer, it's my schedule. I get to pick what I want to do. And I'm honest with myself about which dogs I want to work with that I feel safe and that I can make a difference with. So if and I on a daily add, basis, I'm sure that changes every single, that's the every, thing with animal rescue that people yeah. and, and sheltering and all of that, that people don't understand. You never know. You go in with a mindset, hoping that it's going to be what you think it is as a volunteer. And, but every day things change. Uh, uh, yesterday I went in at 8am in the morning thinking I was going to do something. And the first thing the staff said, I think there's a fire. And for the next half hour, I was literally standing on top of a kennel with a garden hose, putting out a fire just outside of it. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Point then, taken, right? <laughs> right. And then the next hour, the dogs were all wound up because of the smoke. So then, you know, I was sort of mentoring the junior volunteers there uh, and trying to get everyone on the same page, how to keep everyone safe, including the dogs. So, you know, my day just started off different and then, um, then I sort of found my rhythm and then I think I took out probably 12 dogs yesterday and some new dog assessments and new dog assessments and is my favorite thing, quite honestly. And that's taking a dog and that's only a level three thing, but taking a dog that nobody knows anything about because it was just found on the street and basically going very slow and figuring out if the dog has any catches or glitches, I say glitches, but, um, any hot spots, you know, is he safe to touch all over or she's safe to, you know, is she head shy? Is she okay on the leash? Does she take treats gentle or do we have to be careful when we're giving treats? Do they sit? Do they play ball? Um, are they um, too interested in other dogs that it, they could redirect on a handler? And so uh, that is my favorite thing at the shelter to take dogs. No one knows anything about and safely and slowly basically figuring out who that dog is right for either for an adoption or for foster or for volunteerism for volunteering. Um, and then basically just starting a baseline. And so the next time he's taken out or she's taking out those notes are either, um, echoed or contradicted. And then we can go from there. If, 
And, you know, it's so interesting the way you just described that, because really it is sort of a science, because here's this brand new animal, first of all, that doesn't know you and the fact that you are a big guy. Um, I know just from my experience, a lot of the dogs are afraid of men, like you said, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. They're they're just intimidated by the the larger size or the fact that they've had something in their past with men, um, whether it be abuse or just, you know, not something very being very kind to them. And a lot of women are involved in animal rescue. So at the rescues, a lot of the rescues here in the Northeast, it's a a lot of women. And so when men get involved, I'm like, yes, a man, because (laughs) you know, you, you really, you need to be exposed to both. Um, So it's like you said, it's, you get this animal in front of you. You don't know them. They don't know you. And then you have to, it's almost like a dance. You just have to take it slowly and figure out, you know, what you're going to do with each other and build that trust and that bond and see if you can make the dog be, not make the dog, but have the dog become something that you are able to show and, and rehome. And that's the ultimate goal in the end. And so I really appreciate you explaining that process because I don't think a lot of people understand. They just think, okay, open the kennel, put the leash on and go. Nope. That's that's the way it works. (laughs) I, I use this example. I say, you know, we can go to lunch and we can have a nice time, but you have that same have that same lunch in a facility that has bars and concrete. And I think, you know, what facility I'm talking about. Yep. And it's not going to be the same lunch. The it's same, going to yeah, be, the same we're going to be thinking about who's going to stab us from the back and who's going to steal our food. And, you know, um, yeah, so sure. It, they're it, always, they're always on guard, you know, because they exactly. just, first of all, I, you know, I always, I've probably told the story before on the show, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but it's, you know, these dogs, they're coming to a brand new place with brand new smells and a brand new situation with brand new people and brand new food and a brand new schedule. I mean, can you imagine take a human and put them into that situation? And it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just overwhelming. 24 hours a day of deafening sounds, like just 200 dogs barking is a cacophony that you cannot imagine if you've never heard of it. And right. it's, it's concrete and steel. Uh, the and echo, it's it's yes. not being touched for many days. It's not going out for many days. It's, it's the compression on their minds is so great. So that's, that's part of it. And then the other thing about assessment is that if a dog is surrendered, hopefully someone got surrender notes on it, but we don't know if we can trust the person who gave the notes because some people fluff the notes to make the dog sound better than they are, which is rare, but more mm-hmm. likely they fluff the notes to make the dog sound worse than they are. So they don't look so bad in surrendering the animal. Mm-hmm. There's also, there's also notes that when the dog comes in, they were brought in on a uh, animal control device, which is one of those sticks with a noose on the end of it because catch nobody wants yes for those of you yep. who don't know what it is yes yeah i call them stick nooses but um mm-hmm. they come in on that because the animal control didn't want to leash them or didn't have time to leash them or didn't want to fight to get them into the truck and wanted to keep them safe and honestly if they would have gotten bit it's real bad news for the animal so i don't have right. that much issue with it but you know they're put on that they're put in a truck that they don't know they're surrounded by someone they don't know they're brought to medical to people they don't know in a building they don't know it smells and sounds they don't know and the animal if they growl bark snarl snap or whatever they get notes which they should get based on their intro 
to the system, which is no different than if you went to a facility that was concrete and steel. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And you mm-hmm. were treated treated in the same way that these dogs have to be treated, unfortunately, because of time and staffing and whatever. You may react by saying, you know, stay away from me and yelling or screaming or cowering or shrinking. Absolutely. Or, and that's where I think people don't understand, like, when you bring a dog to a shelter, that should be the last resort because it is a highly stressful place that if you have any empathy at all, you can feel what it's like to be there. And you would react in such ways that might give you a behavior note. So when we assess, we get these notes that say, you know, is head shy, doesn't like to be touched. And so we have to take the information in, but also realize it's not gospel it's not law it's not 100 percent true it's just it was true at that time right but on intake correct on intake because i've had so many notes say does not like men and i i have i'm with the dog for 10 seconds and i'm like that's not true it's not men it's a man or we had yes. someone was convinced every that dog, a dog doesn't like, like every person exactly. I, I don't mean to talk over you but i like people no. need to understand that every dog doesn't like every person and at, for all of us and i'm sure you found it too as hard as we try sometimes there might be just that one dog that doesn't like us for whatever particular reason and you know what that's okay it maybe it will like someone else yeah we or can't. maybe it'll like us in time but yeah when right. people take it personally it's the weirdest thing to me it's like yeah you, you, you don't like everybody either like right and, right and maybe it's something you know dogs are reflections of our own stuff that's going on so when we get a dog that says when the person says yeah this dog doesn't like women the, the dog doesn't care about women so much as the owner probably didn't like women or the owner got nervous around women because they felt intimidated or whatever that the dog picked up on the nerves and then reacted out of the fear or the idea like i have to protect my owner from this strange being like it's the, the dog doesn't it's so not true. like the, so, the dog so doesn't true. not like the postman the dog just acts a certain way and the postman acts a certain way and the dog goes oh well i just did my job because i barked and the postman went away it has nothing to do with <laughs> like or dislike it's just behavior and that's it's so right. fascinating it really is. It really, uh, you know, the more that you and I talk about this, I, I know that we could um, go on for a really long time. And I'm definitely going to, if if you're available again in the future, I would love to have you back on because I think it's such a fascinating uh, subject matter. First of all, the fact that you are, quote unquote, a volunteer, um, I think you're at a higher level than that personally. Um, you're giving not only your time, but of your heart. And, and you, it, it resonates through the radio and through the work that you do and the the videos that you post on Instagram, which again, I implore people to visit your Instagram page. It's Tom T O M Kish K I E S C H E. But again, we're going to have all of that information up um, on the animal talk pages on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also on all about animals radio. Gary will get your information out there as well to folks, because I hope that, and I don't want to bombard Tom because I know that he's a busy guy, but I hope if nothing else, he's going to inspire you to do something at your local shelter or rescue or animal sanctuary, whatever it is, uh, however you can help because Tom's work is really touching the hearts of, and, and minds and souls of so many and helping so many animals. And again, I know Tom doesn't want to take 
all the credit as just the one person. It's definitely a team, but it does take uh, a really good team leader as well. And I, and I feel like you're a leader out there in LA and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. And I know that you're busy and you have an audition coming up. So I want to say break a leg to you. And uh, I appreciate um, that. Can and, I say a couple more things real quick? Of course. Absolutely. If you've got the time, go for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first thing I want to, and they're just bullet points. One thing I want to say is it takes one person to surrender a dog, just one person to give up on an animal, but it literally takes dozens and dozens of people to get that animal out. Dozens of people and yes. sometimes months and years to get that animal out. So please, if you're considering getting uh, surrendering an animal, do everything you can not to do that. Get training, ask for help. Lots of communities have community tables that they can offer help. There's lots of advice. There's lots of trainers. Please do what you can. The second thing is, if we ever do talk on, the, on this again, which I would love, I would love if your listeners would send you questions, what they would want to know about. That would be a, an honor for me to actually hear what people want to learn about. And the third thing is that I just wanted to give you a little story about a, a certain dog that's still at the shelter. And his name was Groot. And he was scared and defensive in his kennel. And basically everyone had given up on him because he was just would just growl, snarl and made everyone nervous. And a staff member, I give them full credit for coming up to me and saying, can you work with him? Would you be willing? And um, she had started working, but as a staff member, she just didn't have time. They're so understaffed and underfunded that they don't have time to sit with an animal and build trust. Anyway, so over a period of several weeks, I built trust with him, got a leash on him, started walking him, uh, got him to trust me, touching him in different spots of his body. I started working with him with other people, introducing him to other people. His name is Groot, G-R-O-O-T. And he's now working with uh, all the level two volunteers, three volunteers. Everyone loves him. He's such an amazing dog, but he's still at the shelter. And so my point is people like me, um, people who do more than me, we can turn animals around if we have the time, if we are given the time, if there's not the pressure on the system, um, because there's only so much space, we can do that. But what we can't do is get those dogs out of the system. We don't have the homes to take in other dogs. We, we, we have maxed out all our fosters. We have maxed out all our connections with adoption. So we need people to come to the shelter to be willing to take a dog like Groot that had a behavior mark in the beginning that you shouldn't ignore. It's, it's information, but you also shouldn't judge a dog just based on his entrance to a shelter. And again, we can turn some of these animals around. We can turn around 95% of them or whatever the number would be, but we can't do everything by ourselves. We need people to be open to adopting and to getting a dog that's not only looking good in a picture on Instagram, but a dog that is right for them and that they are right for. And that is something I would love to talk about another time, not yes. picking a dog because it of the right breed or because it's a Labradoodle and you're all your friends. It's have Labradoodles. so funny you say that because I also do, um, you know, I'm not a professional photographer, but I'm in so many shelters and I, I work with professional photographers, but if I don't have one available, I take the photos myself. And so many times people say, I saw this photo. Oh, it's just a beautiful, but 
you can't judge that way. You don't no. even know that you have to come. And I implore people to always meet an animal before they adopt because we are all mutts. Yeah, <laughs> that's a we good way. That's a good, that's a perfect way to, to uh, end our segment together. And I'm going to definitely have you back on again. If you, you will Karen. send us a photo of Groot, we're going to yep. work together and we're going to get Groot a home. I awesome. promise you, I'm going to help you and we're going to promote him. And uh, between Gary and myself and you and your folks out there in LA, we're going to spread the word about Groot because he sounds like he deserves a home. And I know that there's so many more just like Groot out there. So I thank you again, Tom. Thank you, Karen. And um, I really appreciate your time and the work that you do. Uh, kudos to you. And, and we have just um, made a friendship and I think it's going to last a long time. I, and I'll be, I hope so. And thank you, Gary. <laughs> thank you. Um, Tom will be in touch again soon. Okay, if you Karen. Folks take, take care. If you folks have, um, you know, been listening, we've been talking to Tom Keish. Uh, he's a longtime volunteer out North Central Animal Shelter in Los Angeles, just one of many shelters in that area. In that particular shelter, I'm going to say it again, there are 200 dogs currently, and that's one shelter in that area. He, his work is incredible. Again, we will share all of his information with you so that you can learn and watch and maybe be inspired. That's what this show is all about today, being inspired to become a volunteer at your local animal rescue, shelter, sanctuary, whatever it is. And there's lots of ways to volunteer. Like Tom said, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to be that person who's gutsy to go in a kennel with a dog that you don't know. If you're not qualified for that type of work, there's a million other ways to volunteer. Again, I'm your host, Karen Kalunian here on Animal Talk USA. I want to thank Gary from All About Animals Radio for giving us this platform to share this information with all of you. I hope you have a great week. We'll be back next Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. And pretty soon we're going to be going live. So we're going to be taking your questions here on Animal Talk. We've got a lot happening. Uh, Thank you again and have a great week. Be safe. (laughs) 